Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Anytime during my 10 years, I could do this. That's power. That's power. Oh, down to Hartman's foot. Here's the snap. The ball is down. The kick is up. And it's gone. Wolfpack wins. It's time for the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Here's your host, James Curl. All right, folks, welcome to a, uh, a somewhat special edition of the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Uh, unforeseen events on Monday prevented us from recording there at Amedia, as we don't have our normal uh, group of folks there in the uh, the audience to uh, cheer us on. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we are going to get a show in this week. Uh, it's the week of the Florida State football game. We always like to try to... Uh, record a show that week just because of the history between the two schools. Um, mm-hmm. Before we uh, get going and bring on our guests, uh, let me always uh, mention the folks at Amedios. Uh, we're, this is kind of a pro bono uh, spot for them. They're not giving us any beer <laughs> or pizza this week, but um, uh, we'll, we'll be kind and throw them a spot anyway and just let you know that you can watch the away football uh, game this weekend against Florida State at Amedios and uh, get half-price pizzas during the game. So definitely be sure to take advantage of that deal. Um, you know, we always say that there's no real better place to watch a uh, state football game or basketball game than Amedios. Um Matt, you're on the line. I think you recently watched a game. Uh, were you there for the Boston College game? At uh, I was, uh, yeah, or I was there for um, Wake Forest game. Okay. The Boston College game, I had to work, and my dad's birthday and all that. But, um, yeah, the I was there for the Wake Forest game, and I will probably be going, depending on work situation, for the Florida State game. Yeah, and you can vouch, I'm sure, for the crowd and the number yeah, of Yeah, it's, it's a good crowd. It's nothing. It's not you know a bunch of crazy college kids, but it's a bunch of people that are passionate about state, and they have it on all the TVs, um, so there's really not like a bad spot to sit in there. Um, you know, it's just good. You know, the the wait staff is all you know state people, so it, it's it's nice to be surrounded by that, and not have to listen to you know other fans going off and being confused as to what everyone's cheering about and everything. So <laughs> I think it's that's a neat advantage that they have. Yeah. So definitely come on down to Medios this Saturday and watch the game, and uh, you'll be de- most definitely surrounded by a lot of uh, state fans eager to cheer State on to hopefully mm-hmm. a victory against Florida State, and uh, you'll get some uh, wonderful Medios pizza for half, for half price as well. Uh, all right, we, we hinted at the fact that we have a guest on the line with us this week. He's joined us in the past, and we're happy that he was able to uh, join us again this year in spite of the elevator issues uh, on Monday. Uh, <laughs> Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation is on the line again with us. Bud, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back. And, and as always, this is one of the few, I think, non-FSU podcasts I actually listen to. So oh, well, uh, happy, to, happy to do it. That's, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Very glad to hear that, and uh, that's a, uh, that's an honor uh, because you are a uh, not just a, a fellow uh, coverer of college sports, but you also have a podcast yourself. I believe the Knoll Cast is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, we have the Nolcast uh, brought to you by Madison Social, which uh, won Best Bar in Tallahassee for two years running now. So, nice. uh, a great place for food and drink. <laughs> so, state fans, if you're in Tallahassee, going to the game, yeah, <laughs> it actually is right there next to the stadium, which which is a great location for for the owners uh, and and for us to you know to promote on the podcast. You should, if you are a state fan that goes to Tallahassee and have heard about them through the Riddick and Reynolds podcast, you should tell them that you're there because of the Riddick and Reynolds podcast, and just maybe record how confused they are uh, at what is the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. I've never heard of such a thing. Um, but uh, they'll be happy to know that they got a plug on our show as well, I'm sure. Uh, but thank you again for, for joining us. Um, this, is, uh, this is kind of a fun week every football season, I think, for state fans uh, because of the recent history. Um, you know, some years it, it doesn't pan out quite so well. I'm thinking about maybe two years ago uh, when, when the game was over with, I think, about five minutes into the uh, first <laughs> quarter. Um, but, uh, but, you know, this has uh, been, you know, a great series between these two teams, as we've discussed in the past. And um, I guess let's start by discussing um, from the Florida State side of things. You know, I'll get your overall read on the season uh, as a whole to this point. You know, you had some close games along the way, um, maybe an unexpectedly close game against Wake Forest. And, of course, you had the loss to Georgia Tech and then the most recent loss to Clemson. But some good wins along the way as well. You beat Miami. Um, are, is, you know, I, I've seen some of your tweets recently trying to, I guess, be rational with some of the, uh, less rational Florida State fans. Uh, do you feel like you're in that spot mostly now with this season trying to kind of convince folks that, uh, this has been about what we expected going in? Yeah, you know, I looked at our, our listener numbers and, and my, my my page views and all that stuff, and and I was like, okay, man, we got a lot of people looking at our content, and, and I'm like 100 percent sure that I told everybody this is a rebuilding season. You should expect to lose, you know, somewhere between two and four games, depending on how things break. And I mean, you lose 29 guys to the NFL draft, plus plus a couple other, you know, NFL guys who are, are still on rosters that shouldn't get picked up in the actual draft over a three year span. Which is a, an all-time NFL record. Like you know that, that you might have a drop-off here. Uh, th- this is is very possible, and I feel like people aren't getting it. But FSU is contractually obligated to play the, the remaining three games of the season uh, <laughs> if, if it wants an ACC check. So uh, they're going to go ahead and do it. Some of the fans are, um, I don't know. I, I think they've probably been spoiled over the last, basically during Jimbo's time uh, mm-hmm. in Tallahassee, and they don't really remember what, what happened like the previous decade. Right. Um, just kind of prepping for the show, I, I popped over to TomahawkNation.com, which definitely uh, state fans should check out. Perhaps the most uh, comprehensive uh, uh, fan site, perhaps, in the ACC when it comes to covering uh, their team. You guys put up perhaps more content per day than just about any site that I can think of, but you guys do a great job. And I'm looking at one of the um, posts that you guys have there. Uh, it's your most recent Nolcast, actually, where... The headline says, "Is th- if this is the floor, Jimbo Fisher has FSU on stable ground. I feel like that kind of maybe summarizes this, the season to uh, this point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I think I think absolutely so. I mean, you're looking at if if people are going to complain about going 10-2, and 9-3. Sorry about the dog in the background. I don't That's know right. if you pick that up or not. It's good ambience. Um, you know, yeah. then, then, hey, we've, we've kind of identified his, his upper range, which is – I mean, the best team in program history, the, the highest scoring team in college football history in 2013. If, if this is the low range, you know, if you can lose three games in, in your low range, that that's 
that's a pretty solid job of program. I don't want to say program building because Bowden obviously built it, but program rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you have some thoughts on Florida State's season to this point as well, you know, as from the outside in? Yeah, I mean, like Bud said, I think they're going to be in a good spot if this is a, a low point. Um, I mean, it's not like the losses were to, you know, kind of, you know, the Georgia Tech one was kind of a fluke loss, and Clemson, you know, looks like world beaters now. So, um, stuff happens, especially in the ACC. I mean, you know, they've lost to us in the past when we weren't very good. It, it happens. Um, you know, with quarterbacks changing and, you know, 29 players losing, that's an insane amount of people to be gone. Um, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, there's no, you know, this is one of state's better chances on the road against Florida State. Doesn't mean I necessarily think they're going to win, but um, yeah, things could be much worse for Florida State right now. Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Um, so, Bud, how how does one who kind of, in a lot of ways, speaks for Florida State, uh, the the fan base, and and perhaps the uh, uh, hashtag FSU Twitter, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to uh, saddle you with the responsibility of speaking for FSU Twitter, but uh, you uh, are perhaps one of the more uh, visual and vocal uh, folks uh, at the for- forefront of that group. Um, do, do you? Uh, I, I'm trying to uh, to encapsulate what I'm trying to say here. I mean, you obviously the passion is great, and you're. You're trying to, you know, kind of explain to folks in a rational manner that uh, this is about what we should expect for this year. Does it get frustrating at times, or is it just you, you take it with the rest of the uh, the good and the bad? You know, I, I, a couple things. Uh, one, I, I actually did have kind of a big falling out with FSU Twitter over the summer because I told them to go ahead and unfollow me uh, because I'd, I'd spoken out against them uh, harassing this female journalist, which mm-hmm. they really had – no basis to do, and it just had big time sexist under you know like undertones. It's like I, I'm I'm not down for that, man. Like you know, criticize somebody's content, not not whether they're a chick or a dude. So uh, I don't. I mean, I I don't. I feel like I have a lot of them blocked now. I got, I, not, not surprisingly, I got a lot of blowback from that group. But I, I think I would be frustrated with people not getting it if it wasn't my job, you know. Mm-hmm. But I've got a mortgage. I'm looking at, at, at the page view counts and, and, you know, I'm trying to make sure our content is well scheduled and we're hitting, you know, morning social and, and lunchtime social and, and evening social and all that kind of stuff. It, it really has kind of evolved more into a job. And, and I don't, you know, I think we still view the program through the same lens as when we did back in, in 2008 when we started this thing. And it's, hey, we're going to give, you know, good content, objective content. We're going to have guys who really know ball. I mean, we have some writers on our staff who, you know, play college ball and, and coach high school ball. And we're just going to keep analyzing it. If it's really good, we'll say it is. If, if it's not, we'll say it's not. You know, if we don't think it's going to be good, we'll say it. they're probably going to have a down year. Um, you know, I think, I think they're probably going to have a fantastic year next year. Or if they don't, it, it'd probably be disappointment. But it is a little bit, uh, I think the one annoyance is when you have, when you see people like immediately head to the comment section, and they post comments, and I'm like, okay, unless you're like the speed rating champion of the world, there's no way you read what, what I wrote before you put your comment in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, I don't know. I feel like the more I do it, the more it just feels like a job. Right. Well, I, you know, um, it's, 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 it's that the fan or it's the fanatic part of, of fandom, you know, uh, and it brings all types. I mean, we, we uh, I think, um, don't speak for – what has been dubbed hate fans nation. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we try to distance ourselves from them oh, at times. So. 
Is um, that that forum that digs up everybody's like personnel files? Yeah. No, well, that's Pack Pride. They they go through all the the legal documents and the transcripts. State, State Fans Nation basically they kind of just repeat it and use it as ammo against people. Right. Uh, makes okay. more sense. Yeah. So yeah. they're they're the kind of like they sit and let everyone else do the work and then they kind of spray it <laughs> and you know kind of see where it sticks. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that, that, that you know you kind of uh, distance yourself from FSU Twitter because of some comments they made to uh, a female journalist and recently there was some issue with um uh, you know State Fans Nation and also the Pack Pride account making some untoward comments about one of the lo- uh, local female journalists here who had uh, had some legal troubles in her past and kind of using those mm-hmm. that stuff as ammo against her and you know there's just no place for that and and it's it's frustrating when you know you're uh pulling for the same school in theory at least um but uh you know coming at it uh you know from a much different place than those folks seem to be coming from it um and so it, it and unfortunately those tend to be the things that we latch on to you know we we uh, poke fun at FSU Twitter the hashtag uh describing those folks and we have uh, i guess what would be called the lunatic fringe so um it's it, it's just uh it's, it's unfortunately it's uh part of college fandom you don't get to choose who pulls for your school or where you know where they went and and how they choose to behave uh and uh twitter and the internet and facebook has given everybody their own voice and so uh there's there's a little bit of that stuff that's outside of your control but i think uh Folks on your end, folks on our end, try to handle it the best that, that we can. So, all right. I, do you think? Uh, do you think like like ESPN's first take has sort of helped contribute to this? Like they first take will we'll take an issue, and it's it's not a very good show, and it's clearly aimed at people who don't have jobs. I mean, if you look at the advertising on that show and right. the time slot that it's mm-hmm. in, but it's like let's acknowledge all opinions as, as unique. Uh, you know, I, I, did you see the uh, there was a mock up today, and it was uh, or like, like a, a joke tweet, and it was Stephen A. Smith saying. Now, Skip, you you know I uh, you know my feelings on the Holocaust and, and how, how much you know how much I feel that was wrong and, and, it, and it has Bayless uh, you know like extended like exaggerated nod and he's like but I gotta say and it's, I was like, that, is, that, is such, that is so first take I, mm-hmm. I feel like these people look I, I, we wouldn't have jobs if people weren't able to express their opinions and, and enjoy their fandom in that way mm-hmm. but at some point I'm kind of like. I don't really know how you can keep asserting this when, like, clearly we're we're not watching the same game. <laughs> well, it's it's funny to uh, to me that you you mentioned that your page views and and uh, the the amount of content that's being viewed on your site has spiked. Uh, you know, when it seems that folks are more frustrated than they are pleased. Um, you know, recently uh, ESPN had to let go a lot of a, fo- a lot of a lo- let go of a lot of folks and also shut down Grantland. Because of you know I guess uh, financial issues and funding and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then you you know can sit down and watch first take and see two guys who are being paid seven figures you know just come up with the most ridiculous off the wall. St- I mean Stephen A. Smith is making you know public threats to uh, other <laughs> players, and you know Skip Bayless is just saying things that uh, you know that no one in their right mind could possibly believe and we all kind of see through it as just trolling for um the television version of clicks and page views but mm-hmm. um yet they're the ones that still have a job uh in light of the fact that others are being let go and sites are being shut down it's it's kind of the unfortunate part of um 
you know what what uh, what drives viewership ultimately uh, gets to keep their jobs. Not so, only do they still have jobs, they're making I mean multi millions yeah. a year. I mean, there's, <laughs> I, I looked it up just because I was curious. Whenever folks were get starting to let go at ESPN, and you know the amount of money that both Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith are making from ESPN is is absurd. <laughs> um, you know, I think John Gruden's one of the highest play, paid uh, you know uh, on air talent that they have. You know, and a lot of times, I mean, I don't have a huge deal with John Gruden, but you know, I think he sometimes spends more time uh on twitter mentions being you know lambasted than he does being praised for his analysis and those sorts of things so right um it's um, kind of unfortunate that uh quality doesn't seem to trump uh inflammatory if i did love john the, the tennessee fans who in spite of being presented with the fact that john gruden makes what like seven million a year or something like like it's it's close to that right at, at espn I think it's so yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, he, he like makes more than like nick saban and jim harbaugh I love Tennessee fans <laughs> insisting that he was going to take a pay cut of like two or three million dollars at, at the very least to go live in Knoxville, Tennessee, to be the next <laughs> Tennessee head coach. <laughs> like that's well, that money goes so much like, further than it does in Bristol, Connecticut. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I feel like we've kind of uh, gone down an interesting path here. So maybe let's redirect uh, to our game on Saturday. Um, we we kind of hinted at the issue uh, earlier, but uh, we'll revisit uh, that the quarterback situation. Obviously, Everett Golson transferring to Florida State was kind of big news in the off season, and uh, he I guess Bud hasn't panned out quite like some folks had hoped, and and now it looks like Sean McGuire might have the job from here on out. Or do you feel like this might be a kind of a dual quarterback situation that Jimbo will continue to evaluate? Well, I can't totally rule out a situation where he might play uh, both of them in the same game. He, he said that he does not like to do that, uh, but he did do that previously at LSU once or twice. And I know he also pulled it out in the what game? Uh, 2008 at Georgia Tech, uh, the game where Marcus Sims fumbled on the goal line there and, uh, and, and Georgia Tech came away with the victory at the very end. Um, I think they brought in Golson, and I think that – you know I don't like the second guess. I like the first guess if possible – at the time, you had a guy who had had some success at Notre Dame and probably got a little too much success for their undefeated season, which was almost entirely the result of that great defense uh, in, in 2012. And then he got suspended for, for academic cheating in 2013. And then he played okay last year for part of the year and then was a total disaster uh, in the second half of the year. But if you think about this, you bring him in, the worst-case scenario really is that you have somebody with experience depth uh, or you know, as, as a backup. And the best case is that you actually get something out of him. And I think that he started – because he was close enough to McGuire uh, in terms of, of talent relative to you know, how long he had been in the system, how much he was able to pick up. And I think Florida State's coaches, at least what my sources say, they thought that, that he would continue to improve and grasp more of the offense throughout the season. And as best I can tell from them, he really hasn't. And they were having to dumb down that offense quite a bit. And in the second half of the schedule, you, you face some teams like a Clemson and like a Florida who certainly had the defense to shut down some of that stuff you were running against Miami and against Louisville. And then I think the real panic came when Georgia Tech was able to shut it down. You're like, oh, okay, well, that now we got real troubles because Golson's not really picking this thing up uh, anywhere near as fast as he needed to. And I think you could probably you know, maybe criticize Jimbo and those guys for not using his mobility a little bit more, although he seems to get hurt a lot when they run him. Um, so that's kind of a double-edged sword. And it went back to McGuire, I, I think, because it opened up, the, the, the took the top, of, t- top off the defense a little bit. You're able to throw the deep ball a little bit more 
And McGuire just knows more of the offense. Uh, and, and I think they're kind of just done with, with the whole Everett Golston experiment. But I, I can't really fault them for bringing him in at the time because their backup to McGuire uh, apparently was not ready at all. And they also booted the kid this summer for punching a girl in the face in a bar. Right. I, I do seem to recall that as well. Um, do you feel like uh, he came in with such high expectations that perhaps that contributed to some of uh, the issue? Maybe he was pressing a bit much, or is it just you know he had enough time to to pick it up and it just didn't happen? Yeah, I think he could have impressed much or some. And I also think Jimbo Fisher didn't do him a real or kind of did him a disservice when he was talking about how how similar the concepts. Uh, that Notre Dame ran, uh, that that what Florida State runs. I'm like I, I looked at those and I said, I don't, I don't think they're similar at all. And a couple of guys who coach high school ball looked at him and they kind of said the same thing. Like I, we think Jimbo's kind of full of it here, uh, just kind of trying to speak positively. But you know, the media took and ran with that quote. Oh, the, the systems are very similar. Golson should be able to pick this up real easy. And uh, I sometimes you know one coach is able to get through to a guy and another coach is not. And I don't think Jimbo was ever really truly able to get through to Golson. Well, um, McGuire, uh, I guess, has performed, uh, at least in the, uh, the game I saw against Clemson. He seemed to be, you know, a capable option, and you guys were in that game, uh, you know, into the fourth quarter. Uh, do you feel like he's a guy that can take you through the rest of the year and, and be the guy? Yeah, I don't, I don't really expect to get a whole lot out of him. I think he's, uh, we, we actually we did this on our podcast on Monday on the Nolcast, and, and my co-host and I went through and we kind of picked what quarterbacks in the ACC would you actually want over him. I think we came up with five, so he, I guess he's like the, maybe the sixth or seventh best QB yeah. in the ACC, which is kind of right there in the middle. I mean, people, of course, think he's terrible, and, and on Twitter, everything is either great or horrible. It's, <laughs> it's like this ridiculous like reverse bell curve of hyperbole. Uh, he's probably like an average ACC quarterback, and, and they pair that with an average offensive line an average receiving core, uh, and a really, really good running back who I don't think is 100% right now. Right. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you about Dalvin Cook. I mean, he, he you know, looked um, – He, I mean, it's kind of hard when you when you have a guy that's that talented. You know, you see a guy have a, a good game, and and from an outsider's perspective like I have, it's, it's hard to know, not seeing him week to week how this compares to the rest of his body of work. Uh, you know, Dalvin we see maybe a little bit more just because he puts such great highlight film together. Um, does Did it look like in that Clemson game that he was still not 100%? Yeah, I, I think there are two runs in the Clemson game going into, into the uh, into the south end zone there uh, that if he's healthy, I, I think he houses. And it looked to me like he didn't trust his, his long speed. He also actually... Uh, gets horse collared on the first run, and I think that's because he wasn't totally able to pull away uh, for, from that defender. I mean, some people think he didn't see him, but I, I think he saw him. I just think he was not able to, to pull away. It, w- when he's healthy, Dalvin is the second fastest player on Florida State, behind only Kermit Whitfield, the their, their kick returner, who also runs track. I mean, Dalvin is legit, like NCAA track fast. He has just special speed. I, I, it's hard to put a percentage on how healthy he is. I asked him that after the game. I said, how healthy are you? And he said, I'm, I'm healthy enough to play. And he kind of just smiled and said, okay, well, that, that's, you know, if most guys will tell you, Hey, I'm a hundred percent if they're anywhere close and, and he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think he'll play. Uh, he's been bothered by the hamstring and by the ankle. Um, but I, I don't think he's hundred percent. Matt, do you have some thoughts? Um, it's I haven't been able to really watch a whole lot of Florida State. I mean, the bits I've seen of Dalvin Cook are next level 
stuff. Um, and, and when you mentioned Kermit Whitfield, it's funny because I was just thinking that's the only person I could think of that may be faster because that kick return, I think, was it the national championship game he had at the end? Um, yeah, I, yeah, the Auburn I, game. I, yeah, I haven't seen many people run that fast before. Um, it, it's going to be, I mean, even if he's not 100%, he's still going to probably be the best running back that state has faced this year. Um, they're going to have to still be on their A game. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if they've announced if McGuire or Golson are starting, but either way, they're going to be, you know, using a lot of cook and they have athletes all over. Um, it's it, it kind of, it is, I hate to say it, but it is what it is. You just got to have to play a top game against even a 90 or 80% Dalvin cook. You're going to have to swarm the ball, commit a lot of men to him. Um, to really kind of keep him down from what I've seen at least. Yeah, but uh, from a from a state perspective, you know, one of the strengths of our uh, season to this point on defense has been the defensive line. How do you see state's defensive line matching up against the Florida State offensive line? I, I think state's defensive line will do pretty well. Um, you know, Florida State offensive line they're, they're they're missing their starting right tackle. Uh, they had to move a guard out to right tackle because the uh, the backup right tackle got hurt. Uh, the guard was a guy who initially was supposed to be the right tackle for the season. But he kind of concussed slash uh, ate his way out of the job <laughs> and, and uh, very much looks like a guard. Yeah, we, his name's Mavity, and, and uh, we were trying to come up with like creative ways to call him like super morbidly obese. Gra- um, just call him Gravity. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the center is is also out the starting center, but I, I like the backup better, and I think I don't know how much I buy that, that the quote-unquote starting center would actually get his job back if he was healthy. The backup's been decent. And then one of the other guards is, is sort of also limited. So they're a little banged up on the offensive line. And they also have a, a, a habit of, of false starting and uh, blowing assignments. Um, and they're I mean, obviously pretty inexperienced and have played a lot, of, a lot of different combinations on the front this year. On the other hand, I will say that they are uh, occasionally able to just blow open huge holes for Dalvin. And it really puts those linebackers in a bind if Cook is able to, to brush the line and not really have to slow down at all because then he's juking at full speed or, or as close to full speed as he is. So what we've seen a lot this year is you, they allow some tackles for loss, and then they also open up holes and bust long, long plays, especially if you have safeties that are too nosy. And you could load the box against Dalvin Cook, and I think you kind of have to. But the other downside of that is if your safeties are, are crept up that close, I mean, A, play action pass over the top, but B, the angles of attack you have there against the running back, you, you got to be damn sure that you're – you're taking an efficient angle to the ball because you're so much closer. Well, they'd be able to hit some long ones off that. If there's one thing that we're rock solid about this year on NC State's defense, it's our defensive secondary, and I say that completely tongue in cheek. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that the 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 back the defensive backfield has definitely been uh, kind of a, a work in progress for State, and I think they have improved uh, a little <clears> bit over the course of the year. They're they're not getting beat nearly as badly as they have been at times, but uh, <laughs> lessening the beatings. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting run over slower than we were uh, before. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you start cheating to try to stop Dalvin too much, then suddenly you're you're way out of position, and that can get kind of nasty. And and you're right, but there there were times in that Clemson game where he just you know I, I, I was. You know, I think Dalvin had a couple of big long runs, and I was like, you know, obviously he's he's the guy toting the the rock, and God, I hate that phrase. I don't know why I just said that. Uh, <laughs> he's the guy carrying the football. Um, but uh, if you if you look at uh, the play as it you know transpires from the from the jump, I mean, he's just got mountains of space to work with, and 
it's easy to say, oh, I could run through that, but, um, you know, we all know that's, I certainly couldn't do it, and most of us can't, but, um, yeah. you know, the amount of space that he was afforded against a, a good Clemson team on defense, uh, was, uh, pretty remarkable at times. So, so you're right. I do think there are going to be plenty of, uh, not plenty, but, uh, there will be times, uh, Saturday where he'll have lots of room to operate and, and it will put a lot of pressure on our linebackers and defensive backs to, to make a tackle probably in, in open space on mm-hmm. one of the tougher guys to bring down in college football. Right. I would also invite uh, NC State to just basically allow Florida State to get into the red zone and then stop them there. They are, are one of the most horrendous red zone teams that I've ever seen <laughs> in Tallahassee. I mean, they're like 100 and – what are they? I, this is, this is going to be some really bad radio if I, if I Google this. But uh, they're they're in the hundreds in, uh, in, in red zone touchdown percentage this wow. year, uh, which is not very good. And it's basically a combination of having a uh, – um, a quarterback who doesn't really anticipate, he's kind of a see-it-throw-it guy in, in the red zone. By the time you see it, uh, a lot of times it, it's closed then. Uh, they have so they don't really trust their bigger receivers to run the right routes yet for some reason, so they're using like some midgets. And then the offensive line is not that good. So um, well, yeah, they're, they're not having the best year. That was kind of the, the Tom O'Brien, uh, you know, uh, Archer model for a success in, on defense during his time here was to just – uh, t- to use that phrase again, get run over slowly uh, for 60 yards of the field, and then when you get to the red zone, just kind of uh, buckle down and uh, you know just pray that they don't score touchdowns. Yeah, um, just send 10 guys and hope hope they miss a throw or something. But. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, but, but it's kind of interesting. I was looking at some of the um, the the stats on both of our two teams, and um, you know, state obviously was kind of bummed out that they dropped both the Louisville and the Virginia Tech games. They were both winnable games. And, you know, coming into the Louisville game, State was 4-0 and everybody was calling us the worst 4-0 team in the country. And, you know, we really wanted to validate ourselves and came up short. And, of course, Virginia Tech gave us a ton, a ton of opportunity to get a win in Blacksburg, and that didn't happen. So, you know, six games into the season, I think State fans were kind of down on the team after uh, a promising start. But, you know, as I look at some of the, the statistical numbers and, and the way that they've played in the last few weeks, I mean, you know, we did come up short against Clemson, obviously, but, uh, you know, everybody else has to this point, and so there's no shame there. And, and when you look at some of the ratings like, you know, Bill Connolly's stats, the S&P, I mean, he's got state ranks, you know, 18th in his rankings in the S&P Plus, and, uh, you know, Florida State's 11th, so there's – a gap, but not a huge gap, perhaps. And, you know, in the F-plus rankings, there's, we're separated by nine spots. So, you know, I think uh, by Bill's model on, on his site is uh, Football Study Hall, uh, which is on the SB Nation uh, series or uh, collection of sites as well. Definitely good stuff to check out there. Um, you know, I think I saw, you know, State's win probability at 38%, which – doesn't sound great. Doesn't mean obviously that state has a great chance of winning, but when you think about the venue and and uh, the two teams going into it, I, I think if you told state fans at the start of the season that they would have uh, you know almost a forty percent chance of winning that game by some metrics, I think they would probably take that. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. Um, you know, uh, Forsyth still has talent. It's just it's a team that is it's very young and. and kind of still finding itself and, and it's like that cartoon where, where you have all those leaks and the guy plugs the one and you have another one come out and then, right. um, you know, they, I think what's the spread now? Nine and a half, which is, uh, mm. if you go by kind of the, the Vegas odds. That's, that's like a 
30% chance, I, I think, roughly. Like Once you get under 10, you, you get to about the 30% chance for the underdog of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, somewhere 30, 35, 40, I, I, that's probably pretty fair. I mean, I, I, I don't think Florida State is good enough to overlook State. Uh, somebody suggested to me that Florida State should just rest Dalvin Cook. And I was like, I, I don't know if you guys really understand, like, the team they're playing this week. Like, that, that you're looking at the wrong week. Next week is Tennessee Chattanooga. This week is yeah, State. Yeah. They're actually pretty decent. Is and and you know as as a state fan from the state perspective, um, we keep talking about the the recent history between these two teams, and obviously I'm speaking about the times where state has pulled the upset against Florida State. You know, it is it, um, and I believe uh, in the past when we've had you on, I've asked you this probably this very same question before. You know, Florida State fans viewing the NC State game every year is it, is it one of dread? I guess or is it kind of the uh, you know, or it, it, when you lose, is it one of those, man, I can't believe we lost to those guys again, that sort of thing. I mean, I know from the state side of things, I'd love for it to get to a place where, well, you know, we played state hard, but, you know, NC State's just a good team. I, it doesn't, it never feels that way whenever the game transpires. <laughs> There's usually uh, a great sense of uh, disappointment from the Florida State side of things. And I guess that's fair. Um, but, uh, uh, again, I guess it, do Florida State fans dread this game every year on the calendar? I think they dread it in even numbered years uh, because <laughs> the, Raleigh has really kind of been a house of horrors for, for FSU for mm-hmm. for quite a while. Uh, I don't know if they dread it so much uh, in Tallahassee, and I think there probably is a a genuine home road split there. As far as the having respect for the loss and you know saying hey NC State was just a good team, we didn't play that well. It's very hard to get Florida State people to say that. Like against Oregon, when you fumbled five times, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, and like, look, if you fumble five times, Oregon's pretty good. Like, you're going to lose, uh, and they did badly. Um, there's very few teams at Florida State's fan base, I think, and I'm not talking about just the, the, the crazies. Just the if you take the average person in FSU fan base, maybe like with the Florida Tebow teams, they would tip their cap. But other than that, they pretty much think they should win every game uh, <laughs> in, in blowout fashion. So, I like. I look at all the stuff. You know, it's my job. So I certainly think, hey, NC State's pretty good. Like, I thought about picking NC State. I'm not going to do it. Uh, well, I'm not going to do it unless something weird happens on the injury report. But I don't think the average fan would think it like that. But I do think that they appreciate NC State a lot more than like a Syracuse or Wake Forest or Duke because NC State, I think, at least has this. Uh, clearly, basketball matters in Raleigh, but they're at least a, a school that cares about football. And you could tell that by like their online fan presence, and also fans actually come to the game. You know, they're not sending only a thousand people like Syracuse might. You know, they'll have they'll have a couple thousand there, and, and I think people in Tallahassee understand that, and, and they look at that and they say, "Okay, well, hey, this this school actually cares about football as well, and, and it's good to have those in the ACC." It's one of the reasons I think why Louisville was such a good trade off for Maryland because Louisville fans clearly care about football, and Maryland fans, I, I really don't think all that much they do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they turned out during the you know the high water marks of the Frigian era, but uh, large you know I, I remember when I was in school before Frigian came, and uh, you know that they, they, you know they they had periods pockets of success, but uh, those were some lean years before Frigian showed up, and then Frigian ultimately you know didn't quite pan out or, or left. Or I'm trying to remember exactly how that end. Transpired. I think actually Debbie Yao was somewhat involved with uh, mm-hmm. the way that situation ended. So uh, uh, maybe we should get I, Debbie on the phone and get her thoughts on that. 
I think they, I think he got fired after a nine and four season too, which was one of the ultimate kind of head scratchers. Yeah, they won the military bowl against uh, who was it? East Carolina. I think that's right. That year, mm-hmm. and then they, they surprisingly fired him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was something weird, and I was like, "Why do they fire?" Like, <laughs> occasionally these programs, like when Minnesota fired Glenn Mason. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking Minnesota. Really, like you are unhappy with nine wins. Yeah, I don't okay. know what you expected that. And now yeah. they go and they hire an interim coach for a three year deal. So, yeah, well, it, it's it's one of those deals. Probably, you know, just sometimes the risk of taking a step back is more appealing than just staying put with where you are when it's not winning, you know, titles and those sorts and, of things. And to be fair, State did that with Tom O'Brien. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he was, you know, not winning games. He's winning nine, eight, seven games and. We decided, hey, let's you know take a chance, get someone younger, and create some excitement. Obviously, donations probably went down. I'm sure that was part of it, but yeah, yeah. There's a, there's always a monetary factor as well. Mm-hmm. And, and there's like a, there's a risk reward uh, calculation of this, right? Like some people want to fire Jimbo Fisher, and my thought was, <laughs> look, man, I don't know if that's the best idea because there's a chance you could get somebody better, but the chance is like much much greater that you get somebody worse who doesn't fit, you know, doesn't fit as well. Right. If you're right. Maryland. I don't know. Maybe you could. I, I think NC State. You guys were were you guys pro firing O'Brien? Um, I I think um, I'm I'm trying to remember where uh, where we all stood on that. Uh, I, yeah, it's easy to look back, you know, in retrospect and think. But I, I I think I was kind of torn either way. I was, you know, I'm a big recruiting guy, not to Bud's level, but you know, I followed a lot. So, um, yeah. you know, it was ex- it was exciting for me to see the potential changes coming. But, um, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't hate Tom O'Brien. I thought he was a little kind of a bland guy who'd throw some barbs out there and make it fun that way. But, um, you know, he won the big games, but the frustrating part was losing the games that you shouldn't lose. And so far, Dave Dorn's been the opposite. He beats all the teams he's supposed to be to, and then loses to the ones he can't, you know, you're not supposed to win. So I, I think I was pretty 50. I was okay with it, but I wasn't broken up over it or thrilled about it. Yeah, I think um, I think Matt summed it up pretty well. You know, the there were the head scratching losses, including the one against Maryland that would have you know mm-hmm. sent State to the ACC title game. Um, you know, Torrey Smith somehow was allowed to go off for something three or four <laughs> eight, touchdowns, eight thousand yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you wonder how how do you not cover that guy? Um, so yeah, and and when you when you start uh, you know. Uh, when you're when you're cantankerous and and uh, as Matt said, aren't uh, devoted to recruiting, and we all know Debbie has made it very clear that she wants a guy who values mm-hmm. recruiting very highly. That didn't mesh with her system, and and she didn't hire O'Brien in the first place. So, anytime a new AD gets hired and uh, there's an established coach that isn't exactly um, winning championships. Mark. You know, there's always kind of that. Uh, well, how long is this marriage going to last? Kind of deal. So, um, it's. I think the closer you get to where Florida State has been, the more that risk increases. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. You know, it, if you're looking for a guy that can take you from ten wins to winning national titles, finding that guy is much more difficult than finding a guy that can take you from six to seven wins to you know, 10 wins. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's surprising to me, bud, that you, there would be anybody that would be considering at this point in time, getting rid of, of Jimbo Fisher after 
2013. But and, and I think those are mostly the like the, the extreme lunatic fringe. I, I do see a lot of people who want him to give up play calling, um, and I think his counter to that would be, well, was my play calling okay when, when we scored the most points in the history of college football <laughs> right. without without being a no huddle team? You know, yeah. Um, I, I I think the play calling is sometimes an issue. I, I actually thought it was really good against Clemson. They just they didn't execute all that well. And I mean, look, that's clearly on him as the offensive coordinator. But I was laughing myself when people when, when some of these people were suggesting that they uh, they should go out and get Nick Saban. I was like, uh, no, y'all understand how this works? Like, let's list off the coaches you'd rather have than Jimbo. Um, Nick, Urban, maybe Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Bill Belichick, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Kelly. Like, like if if you can count them on both hands, you should probably keep your coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's. Um, I I remember the Mark Godfrey hiring uh, cycle during basketball, mm-hmm. and some of the names that were being floated were were equally kind of uh, outlandish. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it's. Once you win a title, uh, and, and you know Florida State has multiple titles, NC State has multiple basketball titles. Uh, it gets very difficult to to manage expectations um, when it comes to potential head coaches. Um, well, uh, but uh, we've we've hit a number of topics. Jeez, I didn't think we would bring up Tom O'Brien and also uh, some <laughs> of the other <laughs> some of the other stuff that we hit on so far. Uh, so I guess maybe this closing question for you will be, do you have a, a read on this game? You said you were almost close to picking State, pulling off the upset, but uh, I think I would go with you on, on having Florida State win this one. Do you, do you think they win it comfortably, or do you feel like this is a, uh, a pretty close one uh, indicative with the spread? I, I think this is a game that will probably be a game at halftime. I, I'm going to have Florida State pulling away, I think. But my main concern here was FSU's kids were, were just devastated. Um after that Clemson loss, I mean, they really thought they could win that game, and I think the the first half only further kind of you know buoyed that that uh, that belief, and, and for them to lose, and you know, it's the first time pretty much everybody on this team has not played for the ACC title, uh, and mm-hmm. so now they're they have to go regroup, and, and I, I do think it's a challenge to get these guys to focus and say, hey, this is another important game, you guys have to show improvement now, and, and of course being. Being at home, being a, a, a twelve thirty game, probably the crowd probably won't be quite as good as it would be other times. But I still think that the one thing that stands out is, you know, Fort State's defensive line is is really good. I mean, this is potentially the well, I don't know if it's the best defensive line Fisher's had in Tallahassee, but but it, it's really good. They have two really good corners, and it's just hard to score a whole lot of points on this defense. And and so even though the offense is kind of bumbling and stumbling, their their games are just really never out of reach. Mm-hmm. Because you, you just you don't see them getting down two three scores against anybody. Right. Well, if I if I have reason for optimism, it's that Jacoby Brissett has looked much better in these last two games than he did at earlier parts in the year, throwing the ball down the field. Um, so if our offensive line can hold up long enough to give him time to make some of those throws, maybe maybe there's a chance. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that. Uh, you know, not having Matt Days from this point on in the season is going to stink because uh, I hate that he's not going to get a shot at a thousand yards, and um, he definitely would have been a huge help in this game. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. You know, the the frustrating thing about the Clemson game was uh, it was a game at half, or uh, it was a much better game heading into half than it was. 
you know, uh, within the last minute or so of going to the half, you know, we, we miss a field goal and then they score a quick touchdown to have a 10 point swing. Uh, I don't think state could weather a similar situation like that. If, if it's close at half, I think state needs to have the momentum going into the halftime to, to have any shot of, uh, pulling out an upset. If, if a similar situation unfolds where they give up a quick score right before halftime, I think that would be the death knell. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it'll be a uh, it'll be a good game. I don't think uh, there's reasonable expectation for state to expect to win, but uh, you know, uh, if we if Vegas and others are giving us about a one in three chance of winning it, uh, that's pretty fair. I might put it a little bit lower at uh, one in five, twenty five percent, something like that. But uh, hey, in Tallahassee, those are pretty good odds. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh, I got to show one other thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How did you allow 4.01 yards per play to Boston College? Because I, I, I watched that Boston College team, and then they lost their quarterback and their running back after the FSU game. I, I'm equally baffled how we yeah. put up so many yards against their defense. That's true. They're, that is like the biggest – they have to have fights in the locker room, right, between yeah. the offense and the defense. I mean, they, they only had 79 yards total against Louisville. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't think their offense even gets the first down in practice. I can't imagine. Yeah. I think I think Adazio just has to split the locker room, dudes to the left, non dudes to the right, <laughs> and then most of the I, offense is on the non dudes side of the equation. To answer Bud's question a little bit, a lot of those were they, I don't know if you're familiar with that they played a freshman walk on quarterback, which doesn't really help our cause, but he was he was just one of those kids he kinda of scrambled around and he would get a lot of six, seven yard completions. Um, ah, okay. And then so it, it there weren't any like big plays. The only real big plays there were a couple twenty yard passes on the last. You know, once the game was twenty four nothing with like three minutes left, they kind of got some. You know, the defense sagged back a bit. Before that, it was a lot of just like five six yard plays. Um, they were getting a lot of third and twos and then getting stopped. So they weren't like manufacturing a ton of drives. They were just kind of getting little mini chunks of yards here and there. So it was, it was kind of a weird statistical game from that aspect. They didn't really, you yeah. know. They didn't really like dominate offensively, obviously, but they they somehow cranked out an okay amount of yards. Yeah, I think I remember tweeting uh, maybe some at some point early in the fourth or, or late in the third that uh, you know BC had started the game getting close to three yards of play and then it had dropped below two. So there was a point late later in the game when State's defense had kind of gotten that number down pretty low, or at least what you would expect with BC's offensive woes to uh, to produce. So yeah, I think right. some stuff late really kind of buoyed those numbers a little bit artificially. So, all right, better offense, twenty fourteen Wake, twenty fifteen BC. <laughs> Do I have oh, to no. choose? I mean, it, it's crazy. Like I was like, I don't think we're going to see another offense as bad as that that Wake team in a while because they just they had a bunch of linemen who I thought were probably FCS level, you know? Yeah. And then now Boston College, and I granted BC is due to injury a lot, so I guess yeah. I give them a pass. But those are unwatchable teams. Yeah, it it was not a very fun game to watch. Is it Missouri that hadn't scored a touchdown in like four months or some? Ridiculous? Yeah, they, they, it was two. It was like a month and a half, and yeah. they finally scored one against Mississippi State. Oh, they they they, they finally got one across the mm-hmm. the white chalk line. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, in that rain game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be an unwatchable game right there in 2015. BC versus oh, Missouri. <laughs> so. Almost as well. They did play Van- Missouri. Played Vanderbilt this year, and I think it finished like nine to six or nine to three or something. Florida played Vanderbilt and it was nine seven. Yeah, 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 and they had to score a late field goal to even win that. Yeah. 
So uh, uh, offense is not exploding uh, everywhere across the country, just at certain spots. So. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Bud, thank you so much for joining us under somewhat unusual circumstances. Uh, you know, as I always do when we bring folks on, I, I uh, wish you guys luck and, and pray for no injuries for both sides. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how things shake out on Saturday. I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, I look forward to watching and uh, take the stairs, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's been a lot of that this past week. So, uh, All right. Well, for uh, Matt Purdy, this is James Curl saying so long from the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. We moving on up in the world like elevators. Me and the crew, we pimps like 82. Me and you like tone it, tone it, tone. Yeah, yeah. Like this, East Point, and we're gone. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.